Today's episode is brought to you by Alexandra Park BJJ. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a full contact martial art and combat sport that was developed in Brazil in the 20th century. With roots in Judo and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, has been developed and refined into a unique grappling art with the aim to allow a smaller and weaker individual to beat a bigger and stronger opponent with the application of proper technique. Based in Muswell Hill, North London, Alexandra Park BJJ's classes are designed so that you can develop your fitness levels, balance, coordination and flexibility in a no-pressure environment and to provide the opportunity to start a new sport at a reasonable price. At Alexandra Park BJJ, we aim to be inclusive so that everyone can benefit from this incredible art, not just the athletic or ultra-competitive. To book your free class, head over to alexandraparkbjj.co.uk or email inquiries at alexandraparkbjj.co.uk. Welcome to Audiobookish, an audiobook review and discussion podcast looking at audiobooks both big and small, as well as radio plays, narrative podcasts, anything audiobook-ish. This podcast may contain spoilers, rants, curse words, mispronunciations of names and places, and more. Hello everybody, you're listening to Audiobookish. My name is Fahed Rahman and I'm joined by Poppy Knight. Hello. And this is the first in our series of special episodes supporting the Nibbies, kind of the, the booksellers book of the year awards. And this year we are going to be reviewing all the books on the shortlist for book of the year audiobook nonfiction. And the two books we're going to be discussing today are Menopausing by Davina McCall and Dr. Naomi Potter, and Parenting Hell by Rob Beckett and Josh Woodicombe. And the first book we're going to discuss is Menopausing by Davina McCall and Dr. Naomi Potter. It's read by Dr. Naomi Potter, Michael Douglas, not that one, <laughs> Dr. Nigat Arif, Cheryl Phelps Gardner, Mariam Grace, Kristen Atherton, and Richard Hughes. And I'll read out the... And of course, Davina McCall. And of course, Davina McCall. And I'll just read out the blurb for that. Menopause affects every woman, and yet so many approach it with shame, fear, misinformation, or silence. Why is no one talking about this? Who has the correct information, and how can we get it? That's how this book came about. We are going to tell you the truth, so you can make an informed decision about your life and your body. For too long, women have had to keep quiet about the menopause, its onset, its symptoms, its treatments, and what it means for us. Menopausing will build an empowered, supportive community to break this terrible silence once and for all by exploring and explaining the science, debunking damaging myths, smashing the taboos around the perimenopause and menopause. This book will equip women to make the most informed decisions about their health and their lives. Menopausing will also celebrate the sharing of stories, enabling women to feel less alone more understood and talk openly and positively about the menopause. So as a bloke, this is not a subject I knew an awful mm-hmm. lot about. Um, <laughs> as a woman, how much did you know kind of about the menopause before kind of listening? Yeah, worryingly, this? probably a similar amount to you. Um, and that's kind of what the book talks about. It's the fact that this really isn't discussed much. I mean, I have 
been um, around recently uh, women going through this sort of phase and they have been bringing it up more um, and that's when that I've learned a bit about it through that but not a lot just like in passing and more kind of like I've been I often do spend my time around people who are happy to share and things like that but I think when you broaden it out to you know the entirety of society, I can appreciate that it's often not talked about. And yet I wasn't taught any of this in school. Um, I haven't really come across any of it just in general. I've ended up um, stumbling upon um, books about this topic um, and picking up bits um, from them, not, not reading in full, but knowing some stuff. But yeah, there was so much stuff that I didn't know, so much stuff that was like, oh, you know, um, that was like, I really should have already been armed with the knowledge to piece these things together kind of um, stuff. So yeah, I think that's kind of the first thing to say about this book is how needed it is um, in the sense of just opening up the conversation, creating awareness. It's worrying how little anyone knows. Uh, you know, it's important that women know. It's important that people, anyone who's going to go through it knows trans men, for example. Um, and it's really important that those who aren't going to go through it also know um, to be able to sympathise and understand and help and empower and maybe spot it in other people um, who haven't necessarily spotted it in themselves before. So yeah, I think that's definitely something that the book claims, but is very true, that it um, has a place in bringing those conversations about that haven't currently happened. And it talks about stuff about that people who were involved in this book have also been involved in the campaigning for things like getting menopause on the curriculum. Um, and yeah, I think that's extremely vital and great that there has been some headway made on that uh, because it's mad, as they say in the book, that this is something that affects, yeah, roughly half the population and we don't know about it. I mean, it's it's actually like really shocking. Like yeah. this, that this is not getting like taught in schools. Yeah. Um. Let's kind of like get into it. So the book starts off with Davina kind of explaining at the start what her early experience with the perimenopause was, how mm -hmm. she's really struggling with her career and her work-life balance and her family relationships. And mm -hmm. kind of straight off the bat, there's a real warmth mm. when Davina's talking about that kind of, there's warmth from the tenderness of like compassion for other women going through the situation but there's also mm -hmm. warmth of kind of like rage about yeah. kind of the way that she was treated um and how she really only got the treatment that she needed by being in a place of privilege so i just wondering how mm. and that was a really shock to my system kind of like listening yeah. to those early sections how did that kind of strike you yeah, and so just picking up on that last bit specifically, the fact that she felt she only actually got the treatment that helped her once she made the decision to go private, and she fully acknowledges the fact that so many people will not be able to do that, um, and is very much pushing for that sort of menopause care to be available on the NHS as it should be. And, you know, as well as a general conversation about obviously the NHS needing to be better funded, and that no one should have to turn to private for anything and that those who don't have that option should be able to get it from the NHS but then yeah specifically thinking about menopause it's mad that the help isn't available certainly some aspects of the help aren't available I think wasn't it something about the fact that the testosterone that she felt was a real help in her symptoms can't get prescribed on the NHS it was yeah. something along those lines of certainly barriers anyway um, things like that is just appalling. And so, yeah, shocking to hear, upsetting to hear, but I think vital that that message is getting out there, that this isn't something that's being covered in the hopes that it will get 
addressed um so yeah and that was really tough and also my biggest takeaway from that introductory bit and I think I was aware of this I'm not fully sure how I have a bit of deja vu on it but she tells the story of how she obviously does a lot of work on live television and she was struggling with how her brain was working and that she was forgetting things, that she was struggling with the auto cue, so sort of her brain, but maybe also her eyes involved with that. But yeah, specifically the memory stuff and kind of how do you navigate a live show where you're talking to someone and you've forgotten what their names are, um, which I'm not laughing at in a making fun of way. I'm laughing at in the sense of that awkward laughter that's just peeled out of my back and in that it's such a horrible horrible situation to be in and I think for me personally as well as horrible as all the symptoms have sounded listening to it those mental ones that she talks about brain fog as being kind of the blanket term that's given for those symptoms the people going through with the menopause and perimenopause but basically forgetting stuff and not trusting your own brain and getting confused are terrifying um and as someone who places a lot probably too much of my value and self-worth on my memory and kind of, you know, my cognitive skills, it is terrifying that that is a thing and that you can lose that um, and certainly struggle with that because of things like hormone imbalance. And yeah, it is a scary thought and that really does hammer home, I guess, how important it is to talk about this um, and to get awareness out there so that these things can be caught and people can get treatment and also just so you can be aware. Um, it's a difficult one because as a warrior and a bit of a hypochondriac, in some ways I'm like, I really didn't need to listen to that <laughs> because it will stress me out. But on the flip side, I really did because I came from a place of complete ignorance and at least now I feel a bit more aware maybe prepared who knows um but certainly you know the awareness is important as worrying as it still may be yeah so yeah i mean i was completely unaware of the brain fog and mental stuff um yeah that you know, some women potentially go through in the perimenopause and the menopause phase of their lives and so throughout the book davina does most of the um, heavy lifting narrating the book but we do have contributions from Dr. Naomi, she kind of explains more, I don't want to say kind of like dry medical advice, but she goes through kind of like, right, this is like the medical procedures or the, mm-hmm. um, uh, what's the word? Like perspective. Tre- yeah, the perspective kind yeah. of the treatments that might be available to you and whether you might be eligible for them, what the complicating factors would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but throughout the book, it's interspersed with anecdotes from people that have either written into Davina on social media or mm. uh, got into contact with her some way. And I found those sections, uh, especially while they're talking, you know, there's certain stories from women where they're talking about the effects of menopause and the brain fog. And I, I, yeah. I, I, I wish I knew which performer did which section, because some of them were brilliantly Mm-hmm. narrated um there's kind of uh, a variety of kind of regional accents there's yeah. uh, young women middle-aged women and um, older women their stories were told throughout the book as well and mm-hmm. I found that quite affecting as well yeah oh definitely it definitely was and especially hearing some of the ones that were so um upsetting because of the devastating effects that it has had and you know the big message that goes through the book is about years lost 
um, yeah. and, and people feeling like they've really lost years of their life because they didn't have the treatment soon enough, often because they just didn't realise that was what was affecting them soon enough. Um, and I think that's one of the worrying things and one of the things that means this book and others like it that have come onto the market recently and just all the waves that are happening with it is that hopefully it means people will recognise menopause and perimenopause sooner and be able to manage those symptoms easier. And especially the things like the, the brain fog and the forgetting, as well as the kind of uh, mental health, I guess-esque symptoms with kind of, you know, low mood, uh, mood swings in general as well as the physical symptoms and kind of like joint pain, blah, blah, blah. So much of that, until someone or something makes you take a step back, look at them piecing together, you're not going to realise that's perimenopause or menopause. Certainly not, if you're not even aware that these are the symptoms of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think even if you are, you can easily just gradually, you don't really notice you're forgetting more, um, or you know, you're getting tired or you're having more mood swings, but you're not going to think that they're necessarily all connected. And certainly if, you know, you're feeling low mood, you're not going to have that proactive mindset of, you know, this is what it is. Um, Let's go get it. You know, it's it's, it's a kind of slow creeping in of lots of different things that mean that people can go ages without realising that is actually what the problem is. Um, And that's why, yeah, it's really important for everyone to be aware that these are the signs because they'll be able to spot it in people easier possibly than they can spot it in themselves and can really help that way um and then also the big thing that's talked about in the book that i will probably touch on more later but um is the fact that so many doctors aren't aware of it it was appalling to hear how little slash non-existent the training about menopause is for doctors for gps for gynies i thought it was mad that they didn't have proper training on it um so yeah, all that sort of stuff, very important. And then yeah, very harrowing to hear the stories from individuals who have been like, it was six years until I realised this was what it is. Um, and now I know and now I'm yeah better yeah. from it. Yeah, it's absolutely appalling when you kind of hear that amount of time potentially being kind of lost mm-hmm. um, from someone's life. So, you know, she does talk about the mental fog, but she also kind of unflinchingly kind of explains some of the more uh, physical Mm-hmm. Um, symptoms, you know, things like night sweats, kind of hot flushes, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, it did kind of make the vaginal me... dryness yeah, that va- you're yeah, refusing yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just kind of like, ah, uh, um, it just the way you know, kind of the way she. I think she kind of, if I remember my memory serves me correctly, she kind of talks about a lot of these symptoms, kind of like onsetting, you know, at a similar point in time, and the way she kind of describes it, you know, how painful vaginal dryness is mm-hmm. was. Um, yeah, it made me really kind of cognizant of the fact that I probably couldn't hack it as a woman. <laughs> I just, I just, it's just kind of like, you know, uh, you know, that there's a stand-up comedian called Patrice Arnaud, and he, he kind of said, you know, I couldn't hack it as a woman because if I knew I'd be having a nosebleed every month, but I wouldn't know exactly when it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I just have kind of like, you know, a tingling feeling before, and then like maybe being a bad mood for the week after. I, I just wouldn't be able to live that way, and it's just kind of like. It's tough, man. It's yeah. like really, really difficult. Um, so yeah, and it's yeah. So that, that's yeah. the other kind of thing that kind of um really uh, brought to mind. Kind of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This book definitely does make you go, 
oh, I've had a bad luck of the draw kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of feeling, I think, if you are someone who's listening to it from that perspective of, you know, these are the sorts of things that, um, yeah, my my hormones, my genes, my body means that I experience, um, definitely. Um, and uh, But also some humour in that, I think. Um, and certainly I think Davina does a good job of that, of bringing the humour in it. And some of the people writing in, um, gave some good humor. There was one of my absolute favorite lines in this, um, where someone said, uh, they were talking about the fact that they were told to like go to therapy, um, when actually what it was that was affecting their mood was the, uh, the hormone levels. Um, and I think the phrase was, um, and yeah, and you're talking about your abandonment issues when the only abandonment issues you have is that your hormones are fucked off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that really made me laugh. Um, so yeah, that was another great contribution of the the individual women's stories is that, um, yeah, th- they did bring some great humour into it and uh, that kind of, yeah, the fact that even when it is really tough, you know, stuff like that can help pull you through it. Um, and there was a lot of hope in those sections. So like, you know, people were like, oh, I lost, you know, six years of my life, but I'm so amazing now and I'm, you know, living my best life and revitalized um, kind of thing. But also there were some where they were like, I've now recognized what it is. I'm now having treatment. I've had treatment for a few years and I'm still really struggling. Yeah. Um, And it's important that those were in there, but it does still make it hard to listen to. And especially as someone who is at some point going to go through that, um, it is difficult <laughs> to listen to. Yeah. But yeah, I think important that, yeah, these conversations are getting opened up and, and we're listening to. Yeah. Um, and I've, the performances of the different kind of contributors, I'm not fully sure how I feel about them being done by different people. Like you say, I love the fact that there was lots of different representation of kind of the different regional voices in there and stuff like that in different ages. That was great. Um, and I do think it was the right call. I liked that there was um, actors giving voice to these as opposed to, I guess, like Davina reading them, especially because she does like respond to them. You know, she kind of says, thank you for sharing your story kind of stuff. That would be weird if it was the same voice. Um, However, just because it's not something that I've listened to before, because I haven't listened to a nonfiction where these contributions are voiced by different actors it was a weird thing to get used to. Yeah. And I did find myself like at the start, I don't know if you had the same sort of recollection, but it felt a bit like listening to true crime story. Oh um, yes. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. Because they had the little testimonial bits, the little um, recordings of the different characters in there, sometimes short sections. And it made me feel like I was in, well, in that story, part yeah. of me, part of me was expecting there was a murder was going to happen at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, it just, it did feel a specific to that book, but also because it did feel quite fiction. But as I say, partly just because I haven't listened to many audiobooks that are like that, I don't know how many are out there. I think it is a good call to do that. But as a listener, it is potentially a bit jarring and weird. Did you find that? Um, I didn't find that so much. I just thought it was, yeah, I kind of quite enjoyed it. I didn't kind of, find it too jarring um mm-hmm. but it's kind That's of fair. it's interesting you kind of uh bring up usually that you know there aren't dramatized i wouldn't say is dramatized reading the right way well this is the thing though yeah. because they do bring an actorliness to yeah. it right and obviously some of them are very much written like someone is making an impassioned speech yeah. slash rant or whatever and it, and it really does feel right to give that performance to it others you could kind of imagine that maybe that person very um, calmly wrote out their thoughts and put them down and said them and therefore them being so enacted 
is maybe not yeah. not quite right. I, I did wonder while I was listening, I wonder what the people who wrote those, if they have listened to the audiobook, what they think about the performance that was given to them. Yeah. I just think that would be quite interesting. I do think it was right to do that. I think it was good that they had that passion in it, and especially, yes, yeah, some of them really lent to it. But more just an out of interest thing, I would be really keen to know what people thought about the way they're... You know, it's because it's them. And certainly for something like this, where it's so personal to yeah. them, I wonder how they feel about someone else performing their words. Yeah, um, it would just, be yeah, interesting, it's an interesting to, thing. Interesting thing. To, because usually, I mean, I have listened to other audiobooks where if someone's kind of contributing, it's kind of like a recorded snippet from an interview yeah, or something. Mm. I've had that, but kind of I've not come across like the dramatised reading um, mm. that was in that. So that was kind of quite interesting. And I've, I'd be pleased if I saw that in other non-fiction books yeah. that I listened to as well. Uh, the other thing that I appreciated about the book was her trying to bring in non-white voices. So I really appreciated the section from the Muslim doctor where she was talking mm-hmm. about the shame from that particular community in kind of talking about um, the the menopause. And uh, Davina also kind of, uh, at the end of the book, she reads out a really long list of like uh, Instagram and TikTok and mm. Twitter accounts. And she does give kind of quite a lot of prominent to BAME voices um, in that shout out. So I really appreciated that as well as kind of Davina kind of being aware of her privilege, both in terms of being mm-hmm. kind of quite wealthy, but also coming from kind of a cisgender, I'd say maybe upper middle class white background and kind of giving voices to people from other communities to kind of share a little bit of their experience of living through the perimenopause and menopause as well. Yeah, definitely. I was glad that that was there as well. Um, Though that particular section, which I really thought was really good um, and yeah, brings light to a lot of really important points that are worth touching on. That is why it's so important that you don't just consider one perspective, um, that there is such a breadth of experience, different situation that, yeah, that was really important that that section was in there. Um, But it was just like a small section and it was kind of dropped in there. Yeah. Um. So I did almost feel like it. It should have been explored more. Maybe I don't know. But um, I was glad that it was there. But yeah, it felt a bit added in. And kind of similarly, there was a testimonial from um, a trans man. Yeah. And again, very glad that that was there. Very glad that earlier on, Davina sort of says, "By women, the way I'm using it in this book is I'm meaning everyone that's going to experience um this, but you know." potentially problematic but i like the fact that she was outlining the way she's using that word and uh, you know this is the way it's being done and yeah the fact that she considered um trans voices but did also admit in it that she kind of only considered trans voices after she got that testimonial in to her but i kind of quite liked the honesty there because it, it sort of shows it shows the importance of raising these voices because it shows the fact that so many people won't consider them naturally. And I'm yeah. not saying that in a way of criticising the people who don't consider them naturally. That is a fact of how representation is at the moment, that so many people just won't consider certain groups. Yeah. And so to acknowledge that gives a very obvious reason as to, and therefore that's why they're in here. <laughs> yeah. Because they need people to acknowledge them when they might not. And so, yeah, as you say, that goes for trans voices, that goes for um, non-white voices, that goes for 
disabled people and it's discussed in here different conditions um and how they interact with the menopause how there's not enough research into how they interact um so yeah i do think it did a good job of at the very least attempting to represent a wealth of different experiences and different backgrounds um different cultures and things that yeah i think it was definitely there was a good attempt made there that i think was very important but on this kind of feeling like that bit was a bit dropped in um as i did my main criticism with this book was that I didn't love how it was structured in the sense that I don't really get how it was structured. I didn't feel like it had a very logical structure just in the sense of the way that I absorbed it, meaning I don't feel like I absorbed it very well. I don't feel like it took me on a journey from not knowing anything to knowing so much because of the way it dotted around different topics and I wasn't really sure at any point what section I was in, you know, kind of remembering what section that was. And the main bit that annoyed me was there was so much, and we'll talk about this later, and we'll talk about this later. And we were like three hours into the book and there was, and we'll talk about this later. Um, And there was terms that I'd heard like five times and I still didn't really understand what they were because they were only going to be explained at the latter end of the book. But the fact that they were brought up five times means they needed to have been explained earlier. So we understood them throughout. So yeah, I'm intrigued what you thought about that. But I really didn't think in a sort of sense of teaching us stuff, as well as just following the book in general, I didn't feel it was structured particularly well. Yes, I would probably agree with that a little bit. My kind of main criticism was that in terms of the content of the book and the way it was structured, it felt like there was a lot of repetition Yes. Or kind of similar stories and I don't want to say similar stories because every one of the anecdotes is kind of slightly different, but I did feel there's kind of a lot of repetition and also I probably would agree that the, you know, it wasn't particularly logically organized in a way. Yeah. Um, And I think that's the thing about that was that repetition. It was the fact that every section felt like it was covering a lot of the same ground. Yeah. Um, And because a lot of that ground, as you say, it is because they're kind of the main, um, you know, common symptoms and stuff like that. And so, yes, a lot of the testimonials are going to say the same thing. And I didn't really have it about the testimonials themselves. I sort of had it about the stuff that Davina and and Dr. Naomi were talking about. It felt like it was going over the same bits. And I was like, yeah, but that other thing that you just kind of mentioned briefly, where was that? And that, yeah, it felt like it touched on a lot of stuff to a a certain level a lot of times and like explained it to that level a lot of times and I'm not sure it ever went deeper (laughs) for some things some stuff did but I feel like there was some stuff that I got to the end of it and I was like I swear they said at some point we'll explain that later and I don't feel like it was ever explained yeah I will probably agree with that but it's not (laughs) It's not going to be an easy thing yeah, to do, it's, is it's it? It's not going to be an easy thing that. to do. And I can no. kind of imagine that some of the stuff that they were trying to explain is kind of quite medically yeah. technical um, yeah, definitely. as well. And when it comes to the structure of it, like the fact that so many of these things, so many of the symptoms, so many aspects of it are going to connect with each other, right? They're going to intersect. And therefore you've, you can't just go off on a branch and explain that one because then you've forgotten where you were. And I appreciate that that's really difficult. And like, genuinely, my this is going to seem off topic, but it'll make sense. My least favourite thing at uni and at college, to be fair, was writing essays and trying to make them linear. You know, when my brain was like, I have all these ideas about, you know, for example, this book that I'm writing about or whatever. How on earth do I put them in a logical order in an essay where someone can follow it from start to bottom and they feel like I've taken them on a journey and they've understood everything at the point they've needed to understand it without having to use things like, we'll talk about that later (laughs) and put it off like, I can fully appreciate that 
bringing a book together that covers all this masses of different things about menopause, the different ways it can affect different people, that's going to be really hard. I just don't feel like this did it quite well enough. I'm not downplaying the difficulty of doing it. I just don't think it achieved it, unfortunately. kind of makes... So I was reading a couple of reviews of the actual book online and from the way they described how the book is structured, they've got like colour coding in there. So like um, Dr. Naomi's sections are kind of, I think, in a different colour to Davina's section. Mm -hmm. So maybe... Like visually, it might make a little bit more sense than it does in the audio. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. And this was one thing that I thought while I was listening to it was that if I were coming to this book really to learn about it, um, and certainly if it was because I thought it was affecting me at the moment and I wanted to know more about my own symptoms and I wanted to know more about what stuff I should be taking to my doctor, what I should be asking my doctor, which I think they do a good job in this yeah. book of saying, you know, you about need to arming yourself for your appointment. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that. But I was also thinking that I think I would need it in some sort of written copy. Yeah. Because especially things like, you know, the name of the different... um uh, Hormones. Medicines. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, certainly for my brain, at least, I would need the copy and that's not in any way me saying that this shouldn't be an audio it fully definitely should and especially for people who can't access the written amazing and hopefully they can still get what they need from it in that research sense but i think if you're going to it for the research and you can access the written maybe that would be better for you or at least to have both um or access to both because i think i would need that if i was going to properly research and sort out my own symptoms sort out what i need to ask my doctor for weigh up what are the best things for me i think i would need that in a, in a written form however the situation i'm in at the moment where it's about awareness uh, and i don't necessarily need to know those nitty-gritty details but i need to have a overall view of it i thought the audio was perfect because i wouldn't have sat and read that book yeah Uh, i know i wouldn't and partly if it weren't for the fact that it was on this list i might not have picked up the audio unfortunately but i'm glad that i did really glad that i did i'm really glad that it was an audio for me because i think that was the way that i needed to um absorb this and especially because of how difficult it is I would have so easily put the oh, yeah. book down and never picked it up again. Yeah. But the fact that someone was talking it through with me, the fact that Davina was, um, and she's an eccentric character, but that can help pull you along through it. And these testimonials, having them spoken out and stuff like that, I do think I needed that for what I was taking from the book, which was this awareness thing. But I think if I was going for the the detail, I'd need it in the written. Yeah, yeah, I can completely understand. So I've got another couple of uh, criticisms that I want to bring up quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so because there are so many contributors to the book, there are varying levels of audio quality. Some of them do sound like they were recording like a broom closet or something. It, you know, th- th- some of the audio, I think, felt a little bit um, rough to my ears. It didn't feel mm. as polished as um, the anecdote sections or Davina's or Dr. Naomi's sections uh, felt. And then how well you get along with this book is how much you get along with Davina because (laughs) um, there is a lot of her in this and I you know like for me while I felt her performance had a lot of like genuine warmth and there was a lot of passion and anger uh, in there which I found quite engaging there was a little bit of kind of like rah 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 cheerleader stuff in there which um, your mileage may vary on that I did find it occasionally a little bit grating you know her saying oh that's amazing and you know, kind mm-hmm. of, yeah, I, I, I fully appreciate those are probably genuine um, yeah. emotions that she's feeling and expressing and stuff. But um, for me, I, yeah, I, I would find that a little bit 
if yes. I was speaking to someone like that, I'd be a little bit, oh, God, can I please get away from you? So it just it will depend on how well you kind of like, if you like Davina, this yeah. is like a great listen. If you mm-hmm. find her grating, even if the subject you find interesting, probably read the book instead. I don't I know. Yeah, no. And I think, like you're saying about the, you know, the thank you so muches and stuff, I think it was really good. And I, as you say, I think it does come from a genuine place um, that she was thanking all these people. I did worry that she'd maybe got herself into a rut. Um, that I think I, not a rut, but... Uh, she kind of she got herself using in a the same place. phrases over and over yes, again. Yes, yeah, be- yeah. but because once you've thanked somebody so much, okay, then the next person, if you don't thank them so much, <laughs> then... Are you telling them that you're not thanking them as much as the person before? Yeah. And then I, maybe this is just me and my brain, but I think you get into it. Oh my God, I, I need to make them feel just as thanked as the other person. And that, yeah, she potentially ran out of phrases. And I mean, I find it myself in just genuinely just like emails from work. Yeah. And like, I'll be like, thank you so much. This is really appreciated. And then I take a step back and be like, it wasn't actually that big of a deal. Or like, you know, there'll be one where it is a really big deal and I really want them to know that they have genuinely like made my day at work and possibly my week at work so much better by having done this for me, um, you know, whatever it is. But then like, that's so bigged up. And I'm like, yeah, but I thanked someone else this much in my last email. Yeah. So I have to big this person <laughs> yeah. up way more, yeah. you know, and I did feel, yeah, she, she got in there a bit. But it was less those thank yous that I felt were very raw of Davina and more the kind of come on girls we can do this um that i think she took you know i think she kind of admits this straight from her exercise dvds that was just a bit i i don't respond super well to that kind of encouragement i think it kind of makes me revolt (laughs) and makes me go god if well if you're going to tell me to do that i'm going to do the literal opposite (laughs) kind of thing so yes i think there is definitely a thing about this is that this is davina's book yeah Um, definitely it has so many contributors, and I'm not saying Davina is to be credited with everything in this book. That is not at all what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this book is Davina's book. Yeah. And if you're wanting to learn about menopause and you're not wanting to learn it from Davina's perspective necessarily, then I think be grateful for the fact that her platform has made this conversation happen more and find out that information whatever way you want to find out that information. If you're a fan of Davina, then also come to this book and love the Davina aspects of it. Um, I think, yeah, whether you actually enjoy this audiobook or not, there's no denying the positive, amazing impact that it's had and that her platform has been able to bring to it. But yes, maybe it's not going to be your favourite way to consume knowledge about the menopause if you're not the massive Davina fan. I I think, like for me, I found the book enlightening in in the true sense of that word because it did kind of bring, you know, bring me uh, to awareness of things I didn't know much about mm-hmm. but yeah it's um I can completely understand why it's on the short list it's made some very interesting kind of like editorial decisions in terms of the way they did the readings of the anecdotes yeah. um and Davina's performance on its own merits deserves like a nomination um mm. in itself as well um yeah I also just one last thing on it uh, that I think is worth noting because it's something that I wasn't aware of going into this book is how focused it is specifically on hormone replacement therapy in the menopause. Because I had, you know, not reading the blurbs or anything, taking it very much at face value of thinking about it being about the menopause in general, which it is, but it is very much through the lens of Davina saying, you know, this is the thing that really helped me and either kind of ways that it might help you 
ways where certain people, for reasons such as, for example, cancer, um, may or may not be able to access it or may only be able to access different uh, types of it. Delivery methods, you know, it was talking about kind of you've got patches, you've got gels, you've got um, oral tablets, you know, all sorts of different ways on it. But I was surprised by how focused it was on that. And I think it doesn't push it. I don't think when you look at it objectively, but while I was listening to it, I sort of felt like it was being pushed. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, I'm not giving it a criticism of, oh my God, you're pushing for, you know, this particular treatment. I think it displayed it very objectively. However, my still, my experience of it, probably wrongly so, was that I did feel a bit like it was being pushed on. It It isn't, it felt slightly cultish. Right, it's not, and yeah. I, I think that would be a wrong thing to say of the book. But that was, I guess, my feeling of it, and I think that does come from stuff like you know, it, it talks about basically the fact that there was a study that linked it to certain things, and just my kind of risk aversion and stuff like that. And it talks about the fact that people hear that headline, and then that's the only thing they can associate with it for yeah. ages. It's all those sorts of things. In that, I'm just saying my personal reaction to it was I did have a physical sort of chest tighteningness in that I felt uncomfortable I felt like something unsafe was being pushed on me and like when I listened to the words that wasn't at all what it was doing it really wasn't it was talking about the issues of you know as we know from things like vaccines and stuff how one bad study one badly interpreted set of results can have a really damaging effect on widespread health right and it's saying you know stuff might not be sensible for you but this was right for me and it's doing all the right things but still, yeah, more in my own brain, I felt uncomfortable. Partly, like I say, because I wasn't expecting it to be so focused on hormone replacement therapy, and then it was, and maybe that surprised me a bit. I yeah. don't know what you thought about all that. I've, well, I, yeah, I, I kind of agree. It was very much focused. I think part of it was her trying to maybe influence kind of like the wider medical community to make um, HRT yeah. more readily available and more easily um, yeah. available to yeah. people but yeah i can and maybe that's part of the reason why she was kind of pushing its benefits which I, you know i'm not a scientist i'm not a doctor if there's yeah. you know sound medical evidence that it does have these effects um mm-hmm. these positive effects then um so be it but yeah i can i can completely understand why it's you might get the sense that it's slightly propaganda-ish. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I guess that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't even that I was necessarily thinking like, this isn't right for me, stop pushing it on me. It wasn't that. It was that. It was exactly what you say. It was just me feeling like this book was propaganda-y. And, yeah. you know, and it's that sense that rhetorical techniques, basically, all sorts of persuasion, everything of persuasion can be used for bad, can be used for evil, yeah. or can be used to make positive change and stuff like that. But yeah, I think when you recognise the techniques and you know how those have been used badly, it can feel wrong. I think that's what it was. I think I was recognising that if this were talking about something else... yeah. It could be presented in exactly the same way. Yeah. 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 And like, how do you tell the difference kind of thing that, yeah, it did feel awkward. And yes, I want to reiterate, I'm not saying that it's doing this. That isn't objectively what I thought of the book, but it was an interesting sort of, yeah, visceral reaction from me where I was like, this feels uncomfortable, (laughs) the way that it's being pushed. It's kind of important to recognise as well. Yeah. Cool. So let's um, conclude our discussion on that. I think we both found it enlightening it had um, mm-hmm. some brilliant performances as well but there yeah. were a few flaws as there are in um every audio but yeah. do you want to read out the blurb for parenting hell please i do indeed so parenting hell 
The madness, absurdity and utter chaos of being a parent from the hosts of the number one smash hit podcast. Read, improvised and embellished by Rob and Josh, with special guest appearances by their wives Rose and Lou, podcast producer Michael and Rob's parents Sue and Dave. What is it really like to be a parent? And how come no one ever warned Rob or Josh of the sheer mind-bending, world-altering, sleep-depriving, sick-covering, tear-inducing, snot-wiping, bore-inspiring, 4am relationship-straining brutality of it all? And if they did, why can't they remember it? Or remember anything else for that matter? And just when they thought it couldn't get any harder, why didn't anyone warn them about the slices of unmatched euphoric joy and pride that occasionally come piercing through, drenching you in unbridled happiness, in much the same way a badly burped baby drenches you in milksick? Join Josh and Rob as they share the challenges and madness of their parenting journeys with lashings of empathy and extra helpings of laughs. Filled with all the things they never tell you at antenatal classes, Parenting Hell is a beguiling mixture of humour, rumination and conversation for prospective parents. New parents, old parents and never-to-be parents alike. So, my first question to you, I'm going to phrase it like this. They say um, the English language isn't a language, it's three other languages stacked on top <laughs> of each other wearing a trench coat, trying, you know, mm-hmm. looking to steal slang words. So my first question to you, with that in mind, is this an audiobook or is this a podcast? Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. it is, yeah. Um, we know I love things that, that break boundaries yeah. um, and blur the lines. And I think it is a bit of a um, mixture. It's a bit of a combination. Yeah. So yeah, for people who haven't listened to it yet, the embellishments that it sort of talks about there, basically you had um, Rob and Josh in the studio together. And I actually remember seeing pictures of them on their Instagrams where they were in the studio together as they read their own sections. And then the other one tends to chirp in. <laughs> yeah. And I think it helps that their sections are quite short anyway. They sort of would write, you know, a certain number of paragraphs and then it swaps over to the other person anyway that sort of opens up for this dialogue. But yeah, I was amazed, but I absolutely love it, the fact that they had these embellishments in there, that they had, you know, Josh reaches the end of his section and before Rob says his, he'll have a jib at what Josh has just said as they're recording it in the studio. They'll talk about, oh, I fluffed that word a little bit. Um, oh, I said that in a bit of a weird way. They'll they'll compliment each other on each other's jokes, which I thought was great. And they're like, oh, that was a bit of good, that. Um, and, and things throughout it that was fantastic. Um, it, this was clearly a directive that was given, A, just for the fact of, you know, the fact that they were in studio together, the fact that so much of it was allowed in there, it was clearly a, an active decision. But there was also a bit where Rob says something like, um, is that the kind of input they're looking for? You know, so they've clearly been asked to do this, right? And it's the kind of thing that you can only ask of performers like them, you know, of comedians or at the very least of, of professional performers, that they can ad-lib that kind of stuff and have that kind of rapport. But I love that they did it. Um, as much as I love kind of, you know, sticking to what the book says... I think it was amazing that these bits were in there. Um, I think it heightens it. And yeah, as you say, it brings it sort of like a podcast. I would say my answer to your question, if you would force me to, is I do think it's an audiobook. And I think it's an audiobook where they have let in extra little bits of the recording process in there. They've let extra little discussions in there. Um, Aside from, I think, the interviews, which are more like podcast episodes, at least um, the ones that are live interviews, as opposed to those, which we might go on to talk about, um, they kind of cross over to that. But I do think this is an audio book that has some, you know, back and forth 
joy of a podcast in there, but I don't think it's just a really long podcast. I think one thing that's really interesting about this, uh, to be fair, having not listened to their podcast though, but that I can see that it must be distinct from it because they do go through kind of their parenting journeys in a very structured way in a very logical way i think this book specifically is structured really well in the different areas of parenting that it looks at the order that it does those in um i do think this is an audio book but i love that they've not let the audio bookness constrain them to we will just read out the words on the page that they have let these really funny comedic moments slip in there by having them yet yeah, read it across the room from each other as if they're, you know, yeah, doing their podcast. I think it must have been like a massive boon for the uh, company doing the production on this to have two people that do regularly podcast with each other yeah. together. Um, that must be such a massive advantage when you're coming to recording because they used to kind of like the audio setup, they're used to kind of speaking to a microphone. You know, they're both comedians, so they're, both really practicing kind of like performing words um mm-hmm. but well. then again i would argue they probably wouldn't think that as much given that they work with professional narrators every day yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, okay, yeah who enough. obviously will know all of that stuff much more yeah. but i think certainly if it wasn't their idea if it was the publisher's idea or you know whoever's idea it was the fact that yeah they had people who could do these ad-libbing bits so naturally yeah that must have been amazing and it must have been so fun to work on yeah especially if we're comparing this yeah they often work with professional narrators who know how to get the book spot on as it's written it must have been such like a liberating joy to have the artistic license to let things like that joking around about the thing that you've just read be part of the work itself like that must have been great to like allow time to joke about the book you know, that maybe if you, you know, you crunch deadline, we got to get this thing narrated and recorded. You're not going to be able to have that sort of back yeah. and forth jokiness happen in your recording. So, yeah, that must have been wonderful. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about the kind of actual book itself. So both Rob and Josh, I think both this book and Menopause and kind of explore kind of what, what your expectations of certain life events are going to be. Mm. And then kind of the actual reality um, mm kind of is so one of the things that kind of immediately struck me when I was listening to it is kind of both of them talking about their decision to kind of have children Mm -hmm. and how that came about and both of them had kind of like slightly different journeys um forgive me I can't remember was it Rob's wife that kind of had quite serious medical conditions or was it Josh's yeah no Lou yes yeah so you know Rob talking about kind of his stress around and stress and anxiety around that and the worry that they had whether or not they would be able to conceive and kind of the the medical risks in that was that's not something that gets talked about a lot I don't think yeah that had a real crossover with menopausing and especially because I think the same condition that Lou has is actually mentioned in menopausing as well um and so yeah I do think this does a good job of broaching that and i was really glad that lou was happy for them to share her story that she was happy that to share it herself in in a bit in her section and that i think yeah that was really important that that sort of stuff's acknowledged and talked about similarly rose and josh talk about the fact that or at least josh talks about the fact that they lost a pregnancy and yeah opening up that discussion around miscarriage broaching it rather than ignoring it i think is really important that that is part of it in there and yeah as you say kind of linked with them linked with what we're just talking about with menopausing about it's always better to open these discussions up and make sure people are more aware of the complications and things like that that can be part of it definitely yeah 
Another more fun crossover between the two of them is that we hadn't mentioned is that there were some bits in menopausing where Davina also came up with something while she was reading it and decided to add that in just for the audiobook listeners. It's not in any way to the same extent as this one, um, but there was a little bit of that in there, which is yeah, quite good as well. Yeah. Both of them talk quite extensively how much, about how much they're in love with, with their wives and yeah. kind of how much support their wives gave them kind of early on in their career and um, how they kind of eventually came to the decision to kind of like start a family. Uh, with each other so I found those sections quite um, interesting the other major like note that I've got written down is you know the audiobook is filled with like a lot of anecdotes from like their life mm. pre-baby then kind of post-baby but both of them really hit on strongly on the point on how stressful they found the actual childbirth mm. itself and you know mm. they want to kind of dispel the myth that it's kind of this this magical thing and say no actually it's really stressful it's, yeah and you're going to be you know your wife gives birth and you're really stressed out it can quite often be kind of quite a long procedure you know if she's going to be tired she's kind of emotionally physically exhausted then you're expected to take home a human life and like look after it and it's just <laughs> yeah. you're not ready for that level of exhaustion so i was just wondering what, what you kind of like felt about that yeah definitely yeah they do they do definitely say about the stress and it was interesting of you know, so these are two comedians that i've followed for a long time you know both through stand-up and through different shows that they've been on um watch the last leg a lot you know big fan of that big fan of rob and the shows that he does big fan of both of them on taskmaster like yeah. these are people that i i love them so much um i think they're very funny but it was really interesting in this and probably you do get this as you listen to the podcast but seeing more of them behind the performer more of who they really are you know and not just the person that you see on these shows and you know i'm not saying that they're massively different but it's things like that it's things like they'll like acknowledge stuff like how stressed they get about things like that you know and it's not just because it's the butt of a joke it's it's the genuine reality of i got really nervous about this and this was really stressful and it's something that i find difficult and you know especially with how you know, bubbly Rob is, and you know, that's not put on. It's very much talked about how sometimes he's got too much bubbly energy for Lou to be <laughs> to be happy with. He's a bit too optimistic and playful. Um, but to see, you know, that other side of the the fear um and the stress that can really be there, um, especially with yeah, the difficult part of the birth and stuff like that, was really interesting to see that. And yeah, important to consider it as a factor. I think this book does do a good job of I think like the blurb says, it does do a very good job of explaining both the highs and the lows of pregnancy of conceiving of uh, rearing children uh is rearing the right word of raising children, yeah, raising children um yeah. i think you rear sheep don't rear you sheep, well, <laughs> that was my worry yeah. um, uh, so yeah i think this is a really good job of like i think displaying it quite honestly and i was sort of saying to people when i've been talking about this in that it didn't convince me that i want would want kids but not because it displays it in a bad way i think because it displays it quite honestly it shows the absolute amazing like it says euphoric just wonderful love that makes it so wonderful and so worthwhile for some people um but then also shows the ways that it's not great you know sleep deprivation um not having any time for yourself uh the stress just like I think it gives a very honest view of it and in the way that I can sort of step out of myself and see how other people could finish the book and be like, wow, yeah, it's tough, but it's worth it. But I could also be kind of within myself being like, 
sounds great, but it's not worth it. <laughs> you know, um, I felt it did a really good job of just displaying it honestly. Um, that I thought was uh, that I thought was good. Though I did think, it kind of, I guess, on that discussion of people deciding if they do and they don't, and the blurb ending with that kind of like never to be parents stuff. Um, I was kind of surprised that the there was some of that like parent judgment on people who've decided not to be parents stuff like there was some jealousy of their free time but then there was also like some judgment of and as if they could just mooch on a sunday like is that not a bit sad now it's like well no (laughs) they have the time to mooch on a sunday and they want to um so but so there was a tiny bit of yeah of judgmentiness in there but i really definitely do not think that you would be alienated from it if you listen to this and you're dead set that you don't want to be a parent that's really not the impression here at all and i think if you are not a parent you're not planning to be a parent kids are not a factor in your life still listen to this right it's great it is really really good and like obviously it is heavily focused on children of course it is but that doesn't stop anyone where children aren't really in their life from enjoying it because these are two fantastic comedians that are talking about a topic and they make that topic funny and they make that topic sad and human um, and they do an incredible performance that just, yeah, especially if you're fans of Rob and Josh, listen to this whether kids are a thing in your life or not. And then I also imagine that if kids are a thing in your life and you don't know Rob and Josh, that you would also then really enjoy this um, for connecting with it uh, in those ways and maybe, yeah, getting on with their comedy and their humour. Yeah, so I'd kind of agree with quite a lot of that. One of the interesting things is is this is maybe the first kind of like pandemic book right. that I've read because kind yeah. of I think they started the podcast during the pandemic and throughout the book there's kind of quite a lot of references about how the pandemic uh, affected the way that they were able to parent their children so I felt that was kind of quite interesting to look because it kind of you know my home situation is I do live with two children and having seen that kind of experience reflected back onto me was quite interesting and it doesn't kind of make me wonder like long term what effect that's going to have on children Mm. having lived through that um through that experience I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that yeah I mean I can agree with what you said and I think obviously it is a point that everyone who was alive during that period, you know, be that they've just been born or, you know, um, are a really old person and everyone in between, like, it will have affected for sure. Um, and it will be affecting to, to come. In some ways, you know, there's been some positive changes, obviously. But um, yeah, there's obviously going to have been some some impact and we don't know what that's going to be. And yeah, that is definitely interesting. And yeah, God, it just it was like one of the hardest things of being, you know, having and raising children and then you've got to throw all that complication into it it's just like oh god so no there's definitely there was a lot of sympathy i was feeling there um and i think they did a good balance of like i didn't feel too much shoved back to that time and and the negative associations with it i felt like it was well acknowledged um but it didn't make me feel like oh god the pandemic that i sort of in some ways just want to forget i've it felt like a good balance, really, if they were talking about it. A bit like what I said before. It was just, it was done nice and realistically. It acknowledged it. It didn't try and pretend that it wasn't a factor. Uh, raised some interesting points about it. Made some funny comments in it, as you would obviously expect. But yeah, didn't focus on it too much. It was just, it was appropriate context, I guess. Yeah, it was appropriate context, I think. Um, yeah. That's true. So let's actually talk a little bit about one of the things I did like uh, about the book. It is split up into chapters and... Um, mm-hmm. Each chapter is about a particular subject and um, the people that read out the chapter heading are children from <laughs> around the world. And yeah. that was really sweet. 
that they yeah. chose to make that editorial decision. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah, it was yeah. a great idea that someone came up with to do that. Yeah, so basically you have a little kid, or sometimes there's a couple of them, uh, reading out the chapter heading, and then you have Rob and Josh reading it out again in case potentially you've not quite caught it from um which was most of the time said and they were also well they did the thing we brought up with davina in that they backed themselves into a bit of a corner because if they said oh that was great for the next one they yeah. had to say at least that level of great if not more yeah. <laughs> and i think yeah they possibly backed themselves into a corner um a bit with that as well and that was also the first inkling that you get that this isn't just a straight read of the print book yeah. Because, yeah, you have the fact that literally you've got these other voices. Well, obviously, that's a feature that's only going to be there in audio. And then you had the fact that you had the two of them discussing the voice that they just heard, which also means, yeah, they must have been playing them in the studio while they were recording it. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and a nice insight into how that process was done, um, which is nice. But, yeah, that was cool. And so I actually ended up, because I was so intrigued as to what was and what wasn't in the uh, written book, I had that up for some of it. And they had little, like, you know how uh, certain articles have like big bold of a section from the article or a quote that they think's really important yeah. and kind of sums it up. So that's sort of what they have in the print. You oh, have the okay. chapter heading and then you have that. And I'm quite glad they didn't do that in the audio. Um, probably just personal taste, but I quite liked that instead you got organically just following the, the chapter as it went. And certainly, as substitutes go, substituting it for the kids talking and them talking about the kids talking was a really cute thing to do. And then sort of connected with that. So I also had it up when I was listening to the interviews. So another great thing about this book, as it mentions, is that there are interviews uh, with different members of their family. So you've got both Rob and Josh's wives and both of their parents uh, and also Michael, their producer, on the podcast. And they're split in different ways between you've got two lots of organic interviews in the sense that like they went and recorded an interview with them. So they recorded an interview with um, Rose and they recorded an interview with um, Sue and Dave, Rob's parents. So that's Josh's wife, Rob's parents. And then they had... Lou had because she'd wanted to she'd written out her responses to the questions and then she'd read them yeah um was her interview part and then you had in the audio rob was then giving his opinion on what she would just said <laughs> some yeah. of it being criticisms of rob and some of it in all fairness him being like yeah that's fair um which was really funny and then you had um josh's parents who weren't able to get there for a recording but you had their answers to the questions being read out so yeah that was kind of how those interviews went i thought a great that you have their perspective in there and yeah i certainly get the impression that's something that the listeners of the podcast have been wanting for a long time and then yeah i thought it was really interesting as a definite asset of the audio for certainly those ones that were done as talking face-to-face interviews it sounded so much better than it did when i read it like when i was looking along with the ebook on it it hearing that because those bits are like a podcast yeah. and they're just meant to be listened to and it was just so much better listening to them rather than just reading them as well as i think you know there was some stuff cut out um in the print but equally i think there was some stuff in the written that was maybe cut out of the audio yeah it's interesting and i feel like i kind of just for sense of completeness and i don't know fomo or whatever yeah. i feel like i need both um and i do have as much as I love the fact when the audio has something extra, there is always still a part of me that's like, 
you know, the flip side of what we talk about a lot of the time. Okay, but what if people can't access the audio? And I feel kind of sad that they don't get the same experience in the print necessarily, which is possibly a bit of a shame of the fact that stuff's got out. But yeah, definitely, if you can listen to the audio, that is a great asset of the audio that you have these mini podcast episodes in there. And certainly when you have the ones where the responses were read out, you then have the added bonus that as they're in the studio and they give their thoughts on them, you get that added content as well that is just yeah. fantastic um yeah yeah so like for me this is the way you kind of like should do footnotes in mm. audio if that makes sense kind of like you know them saying their thing and then oh this is the footnote this is kind of very breezy conversational this is kind of the you know yeah. kind of a comment on the text that you just yes. listened to so yeah and i thought a similar thing and also there was one point don't know if this was directed or if he just did this naturally there was a point where josh was saying something rob interrupted him they had a little conversation and then Josh kind of went back to the start of the sentence that he'd started and did it again. Yeah. And while, you know, you could argue, oh yeah, but that's repetition and could you edit it out and all that stuff. I think that worked really well and it sort of made me think a little, can that be maybe how footnotes get done? Can it be proper to read the sentence out, then read the footnote out, then maybe read that sentence again? Because that's the issue with putting footnotes into audio, isn't it? Yeah. Is that that's the reason they're footnotes, that's the reason they're separate, is because they don't work to be there where they're placed in the text because it follow the sentences follow on from each other. And therefore, I really quite liked the fact that he went back and went again. And I feel like, yeah, that's a, a really good way to include that sort of additional information is don't worry about the fact that you've repeated a bit. It's going to make sense to people. They get all the info. But yeah, just take it back to the start of the previous sentence and just go again. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really good. Yeah. The other thing they talk quite heavily about in the book is kind of like parenting styles and um, <laughs> how you kind of you need like a different kind of mixed of personalities when you're <laughs> a couple um and kind of uh, what is the phrase that they use they use the phrase like stiff neck and... stiff neck and loose neck yeah which i gather is definitely a thing of the podcast i think yeah so i think one of the sections i enjoyed the most was the section where rob and josh are kind of like not necessarily criticizing each other's personalities but saying well you're definitely a loose neck because you do this yeah. and you're definitely stiff neck because you do that and then there was so much banter it was yeah. great yeah i found that the fascinating thing was how that led into kind of like their parenting styles and mm. how their wives were basically saying, well, Robbie's a loose neck. He's on the <laughs> road a lot. And then like what he'll do is he'll kind of like come back in and then get the kids all hyped up before they go to bed <laughs> and then yeah. he'll just leave. And then yeah. it's kind of like that, you know, that sort of stuff I found quite interesting as well. Yeah, kind of, how did you find those sections where they're kind of contrasting their kind of personalities and their, their parenting styles? Yeah, definitely. I found it really funny. And I found it funny, the kind of thinking that, you know, they're sort of showing how like Lou is sort of more similar to Josh um, in who she is. But there's that section where she was kind of like talking about the spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I thought that was kind of nice because it was sort of like how, yeah, opposite people kind of complement each other and stuff like that that I quite liked. That yeah, and it it was what made it great that the three of them recorded together lose parts because you sort of had the two of them being in connection with each other over like yeah, I'd be the same. And yet Rob was different, you yeah. know, it was like, yeah. And they could band together a little bit, uh, gang up it on him slightly, but kind of share that friendship and stuff that I thought was really interesting, yeah. And yeah, really interesting how it blends with the parenting styles. It kind of shows, uh, this is not in any way me criticising Josh as a parent, but like 
how fun Rob is as a dad kind of stuff, you know, that really came across. And yeah, as a real like, oh my God, wouldn't it be amazing to have a dad like that kind of thing? Um, Obviously not that he can't also be, you know, the disciplinarian sometimes when he needs to and stuff like that. But it was was really nice showing that sort of home life stuff. And I guess it's that kind of thing where you'd hope that a comedian would be a fun dad. And it was kind of nice to see that he was. Um, So yeah, I thought that was interesting. And the last couple of things I wanted to discuss was how they talk about energy levels a lot in this book, which is also quite similar to menopausing Mm. and kind of how tired they both are and how that's kind of affected their ability to be social outside their immediate family Mm -hmm. unit. I found those sections quite interesting in terms of like neither one of them really wanting to kind of mix with the other parents if their kids make friends with someone they, they're not particularly keen on like making friends with the parents of those kids and mm. going out and drinking and kind of like stuff like that how, how did yeah. you how did you feel about those sections before we get to the criticisms I have yeah. the book well it was just funny because it did you know put me back to kind of when I was in primary school stuff especially there was this one group of parents that all the families all went on holiday together um and because my parents that's weird that's weird oh but as a kid i was like oh but i wish i was there like they'd come back from those holidays the monday after they'd been on those holidays and especially because one of them was one of my close friends and then there was just so much of like oh my god i missed out because they all went to haven together and (laughs) and had an amazing time because their parents are friends right and yeah but it was quite funny listening to this and imagining it less from the my kid feeling like I'd missed out on a holiday perspective and more from the like god how awful must it be (laughs) as as parents having to be friends with all the other parents kind of things and uh and stuff like that that I did find was quite uh was quite amusing it was funny yeah kind of I guess reframing some of my own memories and thinking about them from like my mum's perspective and stuff like that and not that she didn't like those parents and especially yeah the the close friend that I talked about I know that she got on with her um her mum as well but yeah the kind of I guess like the cliques that you have of kind of the parents on the playground kind of thing is is just oh it's sort of politics that you just don't want to get into that was another thing of you know is the just dealing with the playground politics it's like that's what the kids should be doing at break times not what adults should be having to deal with yeah Yeah. um cool so i've got um a couple of criticisms of the Mm -hmm. book so again much like davina's book your mileage with this will be very much dependent on how grating you find rob and josh's voices I would say Rob's delivery was slightly, I, would, I don't want to say less confident, but it was a little bit stilted at times when okay. he was reading his sections out. I say that in comparison with when he was kind of like bantering with Josh, you could kind mm. of tell that he was really concentrating on getting the words in the right order. Um, okay. Yeah, so I, I kind of found that. And I did find Josh's voice had a certain cadence, which I felt kind of sometimes I felt the, the sentences kind of bled into each other. A little bit, if that makes sense. It's kind of, okay. did he, did he just, no, he's actually saying something new. Um, right. And if you find either of their voices annoying, I don't know why you'd be choosing to listen to this, but yeah, maybe well, yeah. probably stay away um, if that's the case. Mm. I think that's so interesting though, because I hadn't really picked up on either of those things. And yeah. I'd actually felt that the readings of the bits that were written, were, I felt they were really quite natural yeah. and I was quite pleased okay. with that. And um, because, yeah, I didn't think that it was um, a podcast in a sense. Like I say, I do think it was an audiobook. The 
concept of what this is when you format it to audiobook, I think for the majority of the time, there were a couple of adaptations or maybe non-adaptations that didn't quite match up with this. But what I felt was you were at a reading of this book. Okay. And I liked that, right? And like, I think there are audiobooks that sound like you are being spoken to. Yeah. And there are audiobooks that sound like you are being read to. Yeah. Um, and this one, obviously, ignoring the parts where you're literally hearing their conversation, right? I felt like you were being read to, but not in that sense that we've criticised before. So like we criticised it for Bob's, I think, yeah. um, that a lot of it you could tell that he was trying to speak written prose. Yeah. I didn't feel that so much with these. I felt more that they were reading out a book, but it felt quite natural is how I found it. I, I would actually say, I think what you just said there about Bob, I did find that occasionally with Rob's section that I did fair, feel like he fair. was reading out kind of the, the written word and it maybe, yeah, so, I mean, I but that was only in certain sections and maybe that's just me being a little bit picky about it. The other <laughs> thing that I would kind of say about the book is unless you're a big fan of Josh or Rob, unless you're interested in hearing about other people's children, I don't <laughs> think there's a great deal of like interest in this for people that don't have um, any interest in in children or don't have an interest in parenting which is kind of as opposed to like Davina's book where I think there's a subject that definitely everyone should read about and be mm. in love about I think I mean they say themselves is kind of like listening to stories about other people's children <laughs> can be like really boring um they didn't you know they're skilled entertainers and they made all the stories yeah. um, entertaining and the stories were really more about their experiences and expectations and kind mm. of things of that nature. But yeah, it's just yeah one of those things to kind of bear in mind. As this well. is where I, I, again, I think I disagree with you slightly in that I think if you have no interest in Rob and Josh and you have no interest in kids, fair enough, fine, you can give it a miss. However, I think if you have any interest in one or more of those things, then you should listen to this. Okay. Like, yeah, um, And it's difficult for me to say from a perspective of people who don't like Rob and Josh, because I really do. Yeah. But I wasn't interested in the kids bit from that perspective. That's why I've not listened to the podcast, right? Yeah. Um, however, I really like them. And, you know, I really loved listening to this because of that, because yeah. I was listening to them and their experiences. A bit like I said before, it was sort of like, it's comedians making great content about a topic. And yeah. no, I'm not really that interested in that topic, but they do a great thing. And therefore, I think that, yeah, if you're into parenting, they do a great job of making this uh, really comedic, really engaging, that I think was brill. And therefore, I think, yeah, even if you don't really know the two of them, maybe not if you dislike them, but if you don't really know the two of them, you're not really that sure about parenting. I think it is just an entertaining book in general. I just think it's really yeah. funny. I think it's kind of like, it's a different medium to stand up, but I think it has the same kind of stuff where you have a performer who's talking about their life and their experiences, which might not be anything to do with your life, but they still make it funny and entertaining. And I just thought in general, this was a really entertaining book. And as we said before, I think if you're interested in audio, if you're interested in what audiobooks can be and breaking those boundaries is really interesting. I think it helped me break out from that box I was potentially showing myself into of feeling like it should be exact. It should be worth it. It liberated me in that sense yeah. of being like, wow, okay, this is the kind of artistic freedom you can take and it's great. Um, and I'm glad that someone did it rather than thinking, oh, okay, we have to strictly do what it says in the book. So yeah, yeah I think it's a really entertaining listen um, from so many different perspectives. And yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it as well, but with those provisos that yeah. I just mentioned before. <laughs> so I think both books have got kind of interesting um, parallels. Both talk mm -hmm. about experiences that a lot of people go through um, mm -hmm. and it will affect almost everyone. 
um, mm-hmm. in one way or another. And both of them make really interesting editorial decision, kind of the way they've decided to record the book, like, you know, Davina with the dramatic readings of the anecdotes in the book and, you know, with Robin Josh's book kind of really pushing that boundary between audiobook and podcasting and kind of mm-hmm. that freedom of having like joint narrators um, bouncing off each other. Great. So the next episode that we will be doing, will be discussing another two books on the shortlist. The first of which will be A Visible Man by Edward Enifel and Ten Steps to Nanette by Hannah Gatsby. Okay, guys, thank you very much for listening to the episode. If you've got any feedback at all, please get in contact with us either over social media. Our handles is at AudioBookishPod. You'll find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can get in contact with the podcast by emailing AudioBookishPod at gmail.com. Thank you once again to the British Book Awards for selecting us as one of their supporters. It's a really mm-hmm. fantastic and exciting opportunity and it's uh, really great to be bringing some more spotlight to the fantastic books on the shortlist um any closing yeah. comments poppy no i think you summed that up great yeah two great books to listen to and i look forward to the next ones on the shortlist okay guys let's uh, say bye bye bye, bye.